You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey sis, welcome back to Girl Goodnight. I'm Return of Lamac, and every Sunday you can relax to binaural beats while I read you a melanated bedtime story. Tap into the show on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. All links will be in the episode description. Submit original work and future episode suggestions to girlgoodnightpodcasts at gmail.com. Help your friends sleep in melanated peace. Girl, share the show and show us some love with a five-star rating and review. Tonight, we will be reading Sanctuary. Written by Nella Larson in January 1930. Nella Larson was a Harlem Renaissance short story author and novelist born in Chicago, Illinois in 1891. Being of Danish and West Indian ancestry, she grew up in predominantly white spaces as her mother remarried a Danish man after her father's passing when she was only two years old. In 1906, she attended Fisk University, where she first encountered predominantly black spaces. This would become the framework for her future literature. After studying at Fisk, she audited courses at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark and became a nurse upon her return to the United States. While living in New York City, she became a librarian, which sparked her writing career. She wrote her first story in 1926 and her first novel in 1928, which received the Harmon Foundation's second prize bronze medal. After publishing her second novel, she became the first black woman to receive the Guggenheim Fellowship in 1930. She was not able to complete her third novel, but was forced to return to nursing until she died in 1964. Sanctuary is a short story written after Larson's second novel. She was accused of plagiarizing the story using work from a British writer named Sheila K. Smith, but eventually won the case. The story introduces us to a woman named Annie Poole, who receives an unexpected visitor seeking a rather large favor. Her son's relationship with the stranger allowed her to grant the favor against her own wishes. Some of the language in this story has been modified or omitted for the purposes of this show. Now, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and sleep in melanated peace. Sanctuary 
On the southern coast between Merton and Shawborough, there's a strip of desolation some half a mile wide and nearly 10 miles long between the sea and old fields of ruined plantations. Skirting the edge of this narrow jungle is a partly grown over road which still shows traces of furrows made by the wheels of wagons that have long since rotted away or been cut into firewood. This road is little used now that the state has built its new highway a bit to the west and wagons are less numerous than automobiles. In the forsaken road, a man was walking swiftly, but in spite of his hurry, at every step he set down his feet with infinite care, for the night was windless and the heavy silence intensified each sound. Even the breaking of a twig could be plainly heard and the man had need of caution as well as haste. Before a lonely cottage that shrank timidly back from the road, the man hesitated a moment, then struck out across the patch of green in front of it. Stepping behind a clump of bushes close to the house, he looked in through the lighted window at Annie Poole, standing at her kitchen table mixing the supper biscuits. He was a big black man with pale brown eyes in which there was an odd mixture of fear and amazement. The light showed streaks of gray soil on his heavy, sweating face and great hands and on his torn clothes. In his woolly hair clung bits of dried leaves and dead grass. He made a gesture as if to tap on the window, but turned away to the door instead. Without knocking, he opened it and went in. The woman's brown gaze was immediately on him, though she did not move. She said, You ain't in no hurry, is you, Jim Hammer? It wasn't, however, entirely a question. I's in trouble, Miss Poole, the man explained, his voice shaking, his fingers twitching. What you done now? Shot a man, Miss Poole. Truth? The woman seemed calm, but the word was spat out. Yes, um, shot him. And the man's tone was something of wonder, as if he himself could not quite believe that he had really done this thing which he affirmed. Dead? Dunno, Miss Poole. Dunno. White man or black man? Can't say, Miss Poole. White man, I reckons. Annie Poole looked at him with cold contempt. She was a tiny, withered woman, 50 perhaps, with a wrinkled face the color of old copper, framed by a crinkly mass of white hair. But about her small figure was some quality of hardness that belied her appearance of frailty. At last she spoke boring her sharp little eyes into those of the anxious creature before her. And what you looking for me to do about it? Just let me stop till they's gone by. Hide me till they passes. Reckon they ain't far off now. His begging voice changed to a frightened whimper. For the Lord's sake, Miss Poole, let me stop. And why? The woman inquired caustically, should she run the dangerous risk of hiding him? Obadiah, he let me stop if he was to home, the man whined. Annie Poole sighed. Yes, she admitted slowly, reluctantly. 
I speck he would. Obadiah, he's too good to you all, no count trash. Her slight shoulders lifted in a hopeless shrug. Yes, I reckon he do it. Especially seeing as how he always set such a heap of store by you. Can't see what for myself. I sure don't see nothing in you but a heap of dirt. But a look of irony, of cunning, of complicity passed over her face. She went on. Still sitting all in all, how Obadiah's right phone of you and how white folks is white folks. I'm gonna hide you this one time. Crossing the kitchen, she opened a door leading into a small bedroom, saying, Get yourself in that there feather bed and I'ma gonna put these clothes on top. Don't reckon they'll find you if they's looking for you in my house, and I don't expect they'll go far to do that cat. Not less than you been careless and let him smell you out getting here. She turned on him with a withering look. But you always been trifling. Can't do nothing proper. And I'ma tell you, if they weren't white folks and you a poor black man, I sure wouldn't let you mess up my feather bed this evening. Cause I just plain can't with you out here. I done kept myself out of the bubble all my life. So's Obadiah. I's powerful obliged to you, Miss Poole. You show sure him one good woman. The Lord the most suddenly. Annie Poole cut him off. This ain't no time for that kind of fiddler role. I does my duty as I sees it. Shouts no thanks from you. If the Lord had give you a white face instead of that old damn black one, I sure would have turned you out. Now hush your mouth and get yourself in. And don't get moving and scrunching under those covers and get yourself cotched in my house. Without further comment, the man did as he was told. After he laid his soiled body and grimy garments between her snowy sheets, Annie Poole carefully rearranged the covering and placed piles of freshly laundered linen on top. Then she gave a pat here and there, eyed the result, and finding it satisfactory, went back to her cooking. Jim Hammer settled down to the racking business of waiting until the approaching danger should have passed him by. Soon, savory odors seeped into him and he realized that he was hungry. He wished that Annie Poole would bring him something to eat. Just one biscuit. But she wouldn't. He knew. Not she. She was a hard one, Obadiah's mother. By and by, he fell into a sleep from which he was dragged back by the rumbling sounds of wheels in the road outside. For a second, fear clutched so tightly at him that he almost leaped from the suffocating shelter of the bed in order to make some active attempt to escape the horror that his capture meant. There was a spasm at his heart, a pain so sharp, so slashing, that he had to suppress an impulse to cry out. He felt himself falling, down, down, down. Everything grew dim and very distant in his memory, vanished, came rushing back. Outside there was silence. He strained his ears, nothing. No footsteps, no voices. They had gone on then, gone without even stopping to ask Annie Poole if she had seen him pass that way. A sigh of relief slipped from him. His thick lips curled 
and an ugly, cunning smile. It had been smart of him to think of coming to Obadiah's mother's to hide. She was an old demon, but he was safe in her house. He lay a short while longer, listening intently and hearing nothing, started to get up. But immediately he stopped, his yellow eyes glowing like pale flames. He had heard the unmistakable sound of men coming toward the house. Swiftly, he slid back into the heavy, hot stuffiness of the bed and lay listening fearfully. The terrifying sounds drew nearer, slowly, heavily. Just for a moment, he thought they were not coming in. They took so long. But there was a light knock and the noise of a door being opened. His whole body went taut. His feet felt frozen, his hands clammy, his tongue like a weighted, dying thing. His pounding heart made it hard for his straining ears to hear what they were saying out there. Evening, Mr. Lowness. Annie Poole's voice sounded as it always did, sharp and dry. There was no answer. Or had he missed it? With slow care, he shifted his position, bringing his head near the edge of the bed. Still, he heard nothing. What were they waiting for? Why didn't they ask about him? Annie Poole, it seemed, was of the same mind. I don't reckon you all done traipsed way out here just for your health, she hinted. There's bad news for you, Annie, I'm afraid. The sheriff's voice was low and queer. Jim Hammer visualized him standing out there, a tall, stooped man, his white tobacco-stained mustache drooping limply at the ends, his nose hooked and sharp, his eyes blue and cold. Bill Loudness was a hard one too, and white. What are our bad news, Mr. Lowness? The woman put the question quietly, directly. Obadiah, the sheriff began, hesitated, began again. Obadiah, uh, he's outside, Annie. I'm afraid. Shucks, you done missed. Obadiah, he ain't done nothing, Mr. Loudness. Obadiah? She called stridently. Obadiah, get in here and explain yourself. But Obadiah didn't answer. Didn't come in. Other men came in. Came in with steps that dragged and halted. No one spoke. Not even Annie Poole. Something was laid carefully upon the floor. Obadiah, child, his mother said softly. Obadiah, child. Then, with sudden alarm, he ain't dead, is he? Mr. Lowness, Obadiah, he ain't dead. Jim Hammer didn't catch the answer to that pleading question. A new fear was stealing over him. There was a to-do, Annie, Bill Lowness explained gently, at the garage back of the factory. Fellow trying to steal tires. Obadiah heard a noise and ran out with two or three others. Scared the rascal, all right. Fired off his gun and run. 
We're allowed to be Jim Hammer. Picked up his cap back there. Never was no count. Thieving and sly. But we'll get him, Annie. We'll get him. The man huddled in the feather bed, prayed silently. Oh, Lord, I didn't go to do it. No, but die, Lord. You knows that. You knows it. And into his frenzied brain came the thought that it would be better for him to get up and go out to them before Annie Poole gave him away. For he was lost now. With all his great strength, he tried to get himself out of the bed, but he couldn't. Oh, Lord, he moaned. Oh, Lord. His thoughts were bitter, and they ran through his mind like panic. He knew that it had come to pass, as it said somewhere in the Bible, about the wicked. The Lord had stretched out his hand and smitten him. He was paralyzed. He couldn't move hand or foot. He moaned again. It was all there was left for him to do. For in the terror of this new calamity that had come upon him, he had forgotten the waiting danger which was so near out there in the kitchen. His hunters, however, didn't hear him. Bill Loudness was saying, We've been a-looking for Jim out all along the old road. Figured he'd make tracks for Shawborough. You ain't noticed anybody pass this evening, Annie. The reply came promptly, unwaveringly. No, I ain't sees nobody pass. Not yet. Jim Hammer caught his breath. Well, the sheriff concluded. We'll be getting along. Obadiah was a mighty fine boy. If they was all like him. I'm sorry, Annie. Anything I can do, let me know. Thank you, Mr. Lowness. With the sound of the door closing on the departing men, power to move came back to the man in the bedroom. He pushed his dirt-caked feet out from the covers and rose up but crouched down again. He wasn't cold now, but hot all over and burning. Almost he wished that Bill Loudness and his men had taken him with them. Annie Poole had come into the room. It seemed a long time before Obadiah's mother spoke. When she did, there were no tears, no reproaches, but there was a raging fury in her voice as she lashed out. Get out of my feather bed, Jim Hammer, and out of my house. And don't never stop thanking your Jesus he didn't give you that black face. Are you still up? Girl, good night. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.